Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today, I'm going to continue with chapter five of my new book, Courage, How to Make This Life Count. The title of this chapter is Courage with Time. Courage with Time. Born in 1890, Curlin Colonel Harlan Sanders received his first Social Security check for the amount of $105 at the age of 65. Around the same time, slow sales forced him to shut down his restaurant in North Corbin, Kentucky, when a new freeway diverted traffic and business away from it. At that point, Sanders decided to franchise his secret fried chicken recipe of 11 herbs and spices. Often sleeping in his car, he traveled around the country, promoting his chicken to over 1,000 restaurants. By 1963, Kentucky Fried Chicken grew to over 600 restaurants, and the colonel sold his company for $2 million. Kentucky Fried Chicken has grown to over 22,000 restaurants in over 136 countries. The colonel could have quietly slipped into retirement at the age of 65, However, he decided the time was right to take his one primary achievement, his quote-unquote secret recipe, and go all over the world. The time is always right to boldly live your life. There are no expiration dates for dreams. Sam Walton opened his first Walmart store at the age of 44 in 1962. At the time of his death 30 years later, The company was worth $8 billion and had nearly 2,000 Walmart and Sam's Club stores. Ray Kroc was 52 when he stumbled onto the McDonald's Brothers selling hamburgers in San Bernardino, California. Within two decades, he would transform it into a global billion-dollar restaurant chain. Stories like these remind me that it takes 20 years to make an overnight success. So often we feel that we are over the hill, too old, and that we missed our opportunity. The problem is that this self-evaluation has no basis in reality. I remember when I first started working as a part-time intern on the campus at UC Berkeley, immediately after graduation. I looked around at the students and thought, I wonder if they know, I wonder if they think I'm too old. I wonder if they, they know that I'm no longer a student. I was 21 years old at the time, and I was worrying that I was too old. Oh my gosh. We need to place more emphasis on our courage than our age. What you do with your time is more important than how old you are. If you're in middle age, understand that the period between 40 and 60 is considered by many to be your peak years. The average Nobel Prize winner doesn't win his first prize until he turns 40. If you're in your 20s, you're investing in your future. If you're in your 30s, you're laying the foundation for greatness. If you're over 40, you're just entering your most productive period. If you're in your 50s, you are in your prime and reaping the fruit of a life lived well. Growing up, my mom repeated a few mantras over and over. When it came to going to college, she would tell me repeatedly, the time is going to pass anyway, just do it. I never understood exactly where this came from until I pieced together how my mom managed to go to college. 
My dad was born in 1921. He'd gone to a year or two of school at Oregon State University before dropping out for partying too much. He enlisted in the Army shortly after Pearl Harbor. My parents married in 1943. By the time my dad returned from serving as a pilot in the Philippines, he already had one son and would go on to have five more kids. Over the next 20 years, my dad started his own rock-crushing business, leased a ranch that ended up failing, picked fruit, sold real estate, tended bar, and sold used cars. My mom took work as a secretary and typist. They moved from town to town, getting evicted from homes and struggling to support their family. By the time my dad was 43 and my mom 40, they were living in Ashland, Oregon, and my dad was a used car salesman. They had four kids at home and two were in college. One night, my mom came home in early 1965 and told my dad, I'm pregnant. She burst into tears. They had very little money, five kids, and a baby on the way. When my dad told his brother he was having another kid, my uncle answered him, Jim, you're going to be in a wheelchair when he graduates high school. Around this time, one of my sisters suggested to my mom that she should go back to school. My sister told her about work-study programs on campus. My mom enrolled at Southern Oregon University. I was born on September 15, 1965, and two weeks later, my mom started her first day of classes of college. She had just turned 41. I can't imagine the pressure she must have felt holding her family of eight together and going to school. The earliest memory I have of my mom is riding in the passenger seat without a seatbelt, let alone a car seat, and pulling into the campus parking lot. My mom opened the door and leaned over as if looking for something on the asphalt. She was throwing up. One of my favorite family pictures was captured in the spring of 1969. My mom stands smiling and wearing her graduation cap and gown. She's surrounded by family and has her hands on my not-quite-four-year-old shoulders. That decision to go back to school well into middle age with no money, six kids ranging from infant to 21 years old, changed the trajectory of our family. Up until that time, my family was drifting from town to town, struggling to get by. After graduating, my mom found a job teaching, and my dad also found a stable government job in the U.S. Forest Service. The result was that my parents and family shifted out of poverty into the middle class. My parents were able to build and own their first home 34 years after getting married. I enjoyed an upbringing most of my older brothers and sisters never got to experience. My parents enjoyed a comfortable retirement together. I meet so many Christians who are looking backward rather than forwards. They are wistful about their past, their youth. They feel trapped and stuck in dead-end or tedious jobs, unhappy marriages, and a repetitive relationship with God. They don't feel excited to come to church, serve, or plan for the future of their lives or the kingdom of God. I run into ministers in their 40s and 50s who are fixated on retirement and act like their best days are done. This type of thinking traps you into a deadening spiral of disbelief and loss of vision. You feel like your best days are behind you and you stop attempting great things for God. 
One of the biggest mistakes you can make is to wait for a better time, a more convenient time to get done what you really want. Waiting for the right time keeps goals in the cellar like an aging bottle of wine. You never drink it, but you think someday I'm going to pop that bottle open. Let me tell you a little secret. If you have a dream or life goal or bucket list item that matters to you, you better plan to do it while you're busy with your current crazy life and schedule. Your, your life may speed up, but rarely does it slow down until you are too old and frail to get done what you intend. Henry David Thoreau talks about this error of spending the best part of one's life earning money in order to enjoy a questionable liberty during the least valuable part of it. What's holding you back? Are you worried about what others might think? Will they, will they think you're crazy or irresponsible? If you are planning on doing something to build and develop God's kingdom on earth, just go for it. Do you have a dream to start a church? Start planning for it. Would you like to travel overseas for service, charity, or missions? Book your flights. Do you have a childhood dream that you've nurtured for decades? You better get busy because the clock is ticking. No one but yourself cares about what God has woven into your heart and mind. At the age of 38, I wanted to complete a dream I believe God placed in my heart shortly after I became a Christian. I asked God to plant a church in my birthplace of Ashland, Oregon. 18 years passed, and I still wanted a growing, vibrant church in my hometown that would be close to my mom, sister, and brother. The only catch was no one besides me was interested in starting a church there. I I would have to plan it without financial or outside support. I worried about what, quote-unquote, they would think about it. I don't know who they were, but I worried about it. It seemed out of the box and unorthodox. Some expressed confusion, worry, and concern about my spiritual health. Some wondered if I was, quote-unquote, falling away from God. I knew that if I didn't build a dynamic church within reach of my family, I would regret it for the rest of my life. A few months later, I resigned from my job as a minister, sold our comfortable two-story house in the suburbs of Boise, Idaho, and packed all of our belongings and moved to Ashland, Oregon. We struggled. We were perplexed at times. But when we moved on eight years later, there was and still is a healthy church near my family. Don't settle for being a youthful dreamer. Dare great things at every stage of life. Fan into flame the fire you had when you were first in Christ. It may have dimmed. It might be flickering faintly. But that spirit of courage is still in waiting to is still waiting to resurge. As Paul prodded the tentative Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy had backed off in his spiritual passion, perhaps waiting for a better time. Apparently, Timothy took Paul's advice to rekindle his earlier passion. Tradition tells us that Timothy died preaching the word at the hands of an angry mob marching through the streets of Ephesus. Pompey the Great experienced tremendous popularity among the Roman Republic and had been victorious in nearly every war he fought for Rome. 
He's most famous for his conquest of Israel, entering the temple, and bringing back the Ark of the Covenant to Rome. However, when Julius Caesar crossed the Rubicon River in northern Italy, threatening civil war, Pompey vacillated. Whether time had taken a toll on his fighting spirit is not clear, but even though Pompey had the support of the Roman Senate, popularity among the people, and command of 130,000 troops, he abandoned the defense of Rome and fled. Julius Caesar only had a legion of 20,000 soldiers. Most historians attribute Caesar's triumph to his audacity and speed in driving to Rome. The once mighty Pompey ended up being chased by Caesar across the Mediterranean to Egypt. Assassins stabbed Pompey in the back as he stepped off, off his ship in Egypt. Pompey allowed time to diminish his determination. Pompey had triumphed when he was younger, but became irresolute in maturity. Learn the lessons from history so you don't live a life of regret. When you lose the desire to fight, the game is nearly over. You have what it takes. Internalize what my mom drilled into me growing up. You are just like cream, she used to say. You always rise to the top. Time is passing. This world is passing. Don't wait to do something great. Men who have lived significant lives are men who never waited, not for money, security, ease, or women. Feel what you want to give most as a gift to your woman and to the world and do what you can to give it today. Every moment wasted, every moment waited is a moment wasted, and each wasted moment degrades your clarity of purpose. One of the items on my Goddard list was write a book. I wasn't making any progress toward that goal, despite identifying it as a life goal back in the 90s. I had read many books, but had not shared anything with others in book form. I forced myself in June of 2018 to write five days a week for three hours each day. In 30 days, I had a rough draft of a book on church planting. It took me nearly another year to get it published. The joy I felt at overcoming my procrastination and achieving a lifelong ambition was as genuine as physically holding the book in my hands. Don't wait for a better time. There's never going to be a better time for you to act on what God is calling you to do. Your life is not going to slow down. You have to live it for God and you. Is there something that you've wanted to do but delayed for years? How long will you obey that cautious voice that says, now isn't the right time, or wait till the kids are out of the house? Keep Solomon's advice in mind. If you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. George and Irene Gerganis planted a church in a burnout neighborhood in downtown Tokyo in 1951. They spent over 10 years preaching the word in that war-ravaged country. They returned to the U.S. in the late 60s after passing on the leadership to Japanese nationals. 20 years passed. Well into their 70s and retired, George and Irene abandoned their retirement dreams, joined a mission team, and returned to Japan to rekindle the church. The Yoyogi Hachiman Church of Christ had fallen on hard times. 
membership had dwindled to the point where those in charge had plans to sell the multi-million dollar land and distribute among its distribute am- among its few members. The only catch to the scheme was that George was still the president of the board. He returned to a high tension, high volume, and high stakes battle for control of the future of the church. He recaptured control of his former church and replanted it and renamed it the Tokyo Church of Christ. Through his efforts and those of the members of the replanting team, the dilapidated church grew from a handful of members to a membership of 1,000 over the, over the next 15 years. Gut check. What have you been putting off because it's, quote-unquote, not the right time? Decide to do it now. I want to thank you for listening to the Rob Skinner Podcast. You can find this book on Amazon along with my first book, How to Plant and Grow a Church, a complete manual for small church growth. If you're enjoying this podcast or book, please let your friends and family know. You can also email me at rob at tucsonchurchofchrist.org. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, to live a no-regrets life, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day, and make this life count.